Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. This morning in the news, we had the story of the uh, the passing, the very sad news of the passing of Marvin Lee a day, 74 years old, better known as Meatloaf. And uh, I certainly uh, was a huge fan, and uh, the album Bad Out of Hell was a, uh, a soundtrack in my home growing up. I, I think I uh, could, to this day, sing along with every song, and I have drunkenly in the backyard where I got yelled at by neighbors at about 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> That's another story for another time. But I was just reading about him this morning, and I, ha- I had known some of this stuff from a documentary I watched years ago, and he, he did not have an easy life. He was born in 1947 in uh, Dallas, Texas, and he was always a big guy. So his father, who had been a, a, uh, in the U.S. Army, had been a police officer and a raging alcoholic, um, uh, was really tough on him because uh, he wanted him to play football, and he was a big guy, and it's Dallas, and you play football if you're a big guy. And uh, Meatloaf had more interest in music and theater, and that didn't play well in the 1960s oh. in Dallas. So him and his father had a horrible, horrible relationship, and he used to spend a lot of his days as a younger kid driving around in his uh, mom's car or in the family car trying to find his dad, who would be in some bar somewhere. So, not an easy upbringing. His father called him Meat. Yeah. Said he was born red as the color of meat. <laughs> and that's where he got it. And a football coach in high school added the loaf. And that's where oh, he got really? Meatloaf. Yeah. All right. And he stuck with it. Well, that's interesting that he went with that because of the relationship with his dad. You would have thought he would have wanted to distance himself from You'd that. You'd think so. But and a lot of his acting credits uses use the name Meatloaf a day. Mm. Right? So he used his real last name. And was in a ton of movies. So, you know, most well-known for Rocky Horror Picture Show. But we had forgotten he was in Fight Club because I hadn't right. seen it in so yeah. long. Yeah, well, he, he might not be fond of the nickname he had in that, I think. Oh, right. <laughs> he had, he had he uh, Bob, I think, right? His real name, he had Robert, and they called him Bob, but then he he was a big boy with, right. uh, he had grown the, boobs because right, yes. he had had testicular cancer in the right. movie. And yeah. the, uh, 65 movies he was in. Was he really? Yeah, Fight Club, Focus, Rocky Horror Picture Show, Wayne's World, to name a few. Yeah, Meatloaf. There's a lot of TV stuff as well. When I was a kid uh, and that album came out, I was, you know, at, at that time, late 70s, you had no real connection. Like, you couldn't look up facts and details anywhere. And, and I remember hearing stories of when he toured that album and he'd do Paradise by the Dashboard Light, him and the backup singer would get the really graphic in kind of this uh, this dancing together, and it was very sexual. And and uh, and I had heard that he actually, they make love. They have sex on stage. Oh, really? And when you're 13, you just think, I got to get to that show. <laughs> but uh, it was a, a huge, successful album. And uh, he wrote it with a, a all, most of his music was written with a man named Jim Steinman, who just passed away last year. And Jim and him both worked in the theaters. But I just read this this morning. Talk about not only writing Bad Out of Hell and all the success of that. But I guess at some point, they were both uh, fighting. They fought a lot over a lot of different things. Money, jealousy. Jim, I think, was always jealous that Meatloaf had become the star, even though Jim wrote most of the music. Right. So um, uh, Meatloaf was working on a new album, and they were in the middle of a big fight, not getting along. And he uh, he stopped working. Jim said, I'm not working with you anymore. We're done. And so he was uh, in a panic because the, the record company wanted the record. He had to find new uh writers to work with him and he was struggling with that it turns out that jim steinman could have helped out could have bailed him he had two songs written for him that he wouldn't give him just wow. out of spite total eclipse of the heart 
and making love out of nothing at all. Are you which kidding? Which both went to Bonnie Tyler and Air Supply. Yeah. And they were massive hits. Really? Yeah. So this Jim Steinman went, nah, I got a couple of good ones in my pocket, but yeah. screw you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Marv. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's sad to hear uh, his, his passing. And that album it was certainly a soundtrack, not just for me, but for many people. I mean, how many copies did it sell? Uh, well, Meatloaf as an artist sold hundred over 100 million albums worldwide. And Bad Out of Hell is in the top 10. In fact, sits around fourth. Now, there's total certified copies sold, and then there's claimed sales. All right. Uh, and so if you go by claimed sales, uh, you know, far and away, number one is Michael Jackson's Thriller, right. no matter what you go with. Uh, ACDC's Back in Black comes up, Whitney Houston with, on the Bodyguard soundtrack. All right. Uh, and then Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell hmm. ties with the Eagles, the great, Greatest Hits, and Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Wow. Some pretty yeah, I, iconic albums in there. Yeah. Eagles Hotel of California in there as well. Yeah, I, you know, if you've never seen, like, the Rocky Horror Picture Show where he played Eddie in that, and he was part of the Broadway play with that, it's one of those movies that you either love, which I do, or you can't stand because it's just too odd. Right. But he was terrific in that and uh, and everything he did. He always seemed like a really nice man. You had the pleasure of meeting him once. Uh, yeah, he came through the stations. I, I think uh, a dozen years or so ago he did a tour Smaller venues, Oshawa, Peterborough, yeah. and that sort of thing. And he, he came through the station, did a meet and greet with fans and stuff, too. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and, and it's one of those things where you get into the business and you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to meet all these artists. It's going to be great. And, and I thought, oh, there's, there's Meatloaf next door. Just, <laughs> I guess I'll pop my head out and say hello. Yeah, was he nice, friendly? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. He was very nice. Giving up his time when he came in and yeah. recorded a whole bunch of stuff for the station, too, which, you know. We asked them to do, and they and not all loved to do it. No, nope. he was happy to do it. Yeah, he always seemed like he was a really good guy in interviews and, and stuff like that. And you know, you never hear anybody cover his music, and I just think it's 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 just because he was such a powerful singer. And uh, on the end of uh, the Bad Out of Hell album, there's a song called "For Crying Out Loud," which if you've never heard it, take a listen. In my mind, one of the greatest love songs ever written. Of course, it's a, like all his songs, about 12 minutes long. It never ends. <laughs> right. But it, it's it's just a beautiful song and can bring me to tears almost every time I hear it. It's uh, Especially when I got half a jug of red in me. And if you, and I'm sure you've heard the Bad Out of Hell album, but you probably haven't listened to it in a long time. Give it a play today. Crank it up. It was just an amazing album. So we had the story yesterday about the guy who stole the guitar. Uh, he's still on the run, although I don't know how easy it is to run with a guitar down the pants. <laughs> uh, he's on the lam. Uh, and I guess the guitar got stolen, like, back in mid-December. But they just realized this uh, this store, just realized it was gone. So that's why we're just hearing about it now. And it's a, a beautiful guitar, supposedly, worth eight grand. Right. Uh, a Gibson Custom Shop 60th anniversary 1959 Les Paul Standard Electric Guitar. So it's not a small guitar. It's no ukulele. Um so if anybody tries to sell you this out of the back of a van somewhere, right? Um, then you know it's, it's the guitar they're looking for. Yeah, I, I watched the video yesterday because they had surveillance video from it. And, and you know, I've been into a lot of guitar stores. Sometimes they have you know, like acoustic rooms yep. where everything is kind of sealed off and you're away. This was really out in the middle of the store mm. uh, where he was sitting down on a stool playing it and then yeah, some really baggy sweatpants <laughs> was able to stuff that in. I, and, and even in the middle of it, like... Like his sunglasses fell off his head. Oh, really? And took the time as he was stuffing the guitar to grab the sunglasses. And I thought, wow, like it really is ballsy. Brass balls. Brass balls, yeah. Get the whole band in there. Next attempt, a whole drum kit down his drawers. <laughs>
Uh, we're so excited, Lucky and I, because we agree on almost nothing except for Ozark. We both love it. Many people do. We've all been waiting for uh, this final season, and it's there today. And and I just thought, oh, I gotta I gotta go back and see if I can find this clip because I've quoted it so many times, and it might be. Out of all TV shows and movies, one of my favorite. And, and the scene unfolds where Marty and Wendy, it's in season one, and they pull up to a real estate office because they got to find a place to live. You know, they got to hide the family. And they get talking about the love affair, the, the lover she had. Right. <laughs> he got tossed off a balcony <laughs> by the Mexican cartel. And so she's explaining her side of it. And, and, you know, Marty's always very distant and just very facts. And here's how things are going to play out. And he gives her this whole. Uh, scene or uh, a monologue where he says, you know, we're not husband and wife anymore and our job is to raise these kids. Business partners. We're just business partners. And she's going on about how terrible it was that Gary was the lover's name, how he got tossed off the balcony. <laughs> and this is Marty's response to her about Gary the lover being tossed. The satisfying sound of your lover smacking the pavement is the only thing that gets me to sleep every night. <laughs> Yeah, you love that. And and I I, I will say this. I don't know if I love Ozark or it's just so crazy Mm. I can't stop watching it. Right. Right. Because there's a lot of characters in that that I find annoying. Oh, really? Or... Or really disturbing. Darlene, for sure. Darlene is is one, yeah, and her Mm. relationships. And and it's, (laughs) you know, oh, man, there's so much that happens in that show. I don't want to give up much away. No, no. Still trying to catch up on it. And people who die, it's just so random. Like the old couple walking that owned the casino. Right, yeah. Yeah, there's just moments where you go, well, where did that come from? Right. You know. Anyhow, it's back, and it's going to be a full Ozark weekend for me, starting today at about 9.05. The satisfying sound of your lover smacking the pavement is the only thing that gets me to sleep every night. Playboy has been getting some bad press lately, thanks to an unflattering reassessment of Hugh Hefner and his empire. (laughs) Which apparently, a lot sleazier than we were led to believe. And I thought we believed it was sleazy already. I guess it got more sleazy. There's even a new show about it called Secrets of Playboy premiering Monday on A&E. I will have to record that. <laughs> where the women reveal what really went on. So what is Playboy's response? Basically, they say, we hardly knew the guy. Yesterday, they released this statement. Today's Playboy is not Hugh Hefner's Playboy. We trust and validate those women and their stories, and we strongly support their individual, those individuals who have come forward to share their experience. As a brand with sex positivity at its core, we believe safely, secure, safety, security, and accountability are paramount. The most important thing we can do right now is actively listen and learn from their experiences. They added, we will never be afraid to confront the parts of our legacy as a company that do not reflect our values today. Right. Isn't it run by the daughter? No. I thought so, but maybe another corporation has taken it over. Right. It's, uh, I mean, it's not shocking, of course. I mean, as much as Hugh Hefner tried to paint himself as a, a man who, you know, supported women and loved women, I'm, I'm sure there was a, a lot of horrible things that went on in that mansion in the 70s. Right. Well, I mean, the whole, the idea of a playboy in general, mm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of, you know, going around and, and not not necessarily preying on women, but at, at least, you know, not showing a hell of a lot of sensitivities to their feelings. No, sure. And, and, and for a lot of men who, I guess, tried to live that life, you know, certainly, you know, James Bond was seen as a playboy, right? But he, all the women he slept with did it willingly. Right. Um, I'm sure there were many women who were under Hugh Hefner's umbrella who felt 
they kind of had to to, to yeah, get somewhere. It may have been willingly, but there was some you know prospect of advancement yeah. in their careers. I, I, I guess. Mm-hmm. I listen. I, the man's dead and gone, and and I, I won't defend him. But at the same time, it, it, I, I I have a hard time defending some of the women who were around there. But uh, if they were. Oh, uh, that's not right to say. Subject to... I don't to know that that's, that's correct to say you can't defend them. They they were there because they wanted to th- follow that path. But right. if he was forcing well, himself no, that, upon if, them, if, that's if not... anything was forced, drugged, anything like that, obviously, that's absolutely unacceptable. But, you know, many were there under their own volition. Yeah. Um, who were, you know, trying to advance their own careers through that, that method. Right. Yeah, but but at the same time, if they now even just came forward to say, "Listen, here's what what happened while I was there." Oh, absolutely. Then you know, it. yeah, you can't you can't judge them on that. No. Um, it is interesting with Playboy that uh, my dad uh, had them, and and I think for for people of a certain age, your fathers uh, probably collected uh, Penthouse and Playboy. And now that I look back at it as a husband and a father. And I remember spending many a time when my parents weren't home digging into that closet and pulling down those <laughs> magazines. But I find it shocking now that my mom, I guess she was fine with it, or he just said, I, I buy these and I, I read them for the articles. I, right. But it seems to me it would be such a weird thing now when you yeah. think about it to to come home with your, or to get the most recent edition sent to the house, yeah. you know, and, and Adrian or Maria says, oh, your new uh, Playboy just arrived. <laughs> Let's check her out. Yeah, like it would seem, it seems so, you know, days gone by. Right. And I don't know, I, I never, I should ask my dad about that uh, at some point. Like, how was mom with you collecting Playboys? <laughs> very, very, uh, maybe, maybe, listen, who knows what was going on. Maybe she, she was into well it. at night. Yeah, maybe she was in, that's right, he left her alone. Or maybe she was into it as well. What do I know that was going on in their bedroom? You know, when it comes to uh, pairing wine with foods, wine and cheese are the classic pairing. Right. But add two more words to that, and it's a lot less classy. A new poll found that the top food men like to pair wine with is mac and cheese. (laughs) Really? I guess. See, uh, uh, it's interesting with certain foods. I like to, there's certain drinks I have to have with certain foods. Like if I'm eating mac and cheese, I need a glass of milk. Okay. If I'm eating like burgers and fries, I want a large Coke. Right. Uh, I'll drink beer with cereal. But, <laughs> you know, gin gin for breakfast, gin and eggs in the morning is perfect. But, it's uh, funny, like I love beer, but I don't generally love it with food. Right. Right. Uh, um, uh, but... If I'm having, you know, I'm out for a, a good steak, I'll have a red wine mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. I, I like that pairing. Mm-hmm. Now, so men, it <laughs> seems so strange, uh, like to pair mac and cheese with wine. This is even weirder. The number one choice for women, chicken wings. With wine. Now, I, I just can't believe that women are downing Chardonnay and scarfing back hot wings. Right, yeah. That doesn't seem to make much sense to me. It's kind of sexy, though. <laughs> all that wing sauce all over them. <laughs> Some nice wine glass with <laughs> wing sauce all over yeah. that. Too sticky. God, I love chicken wings. I could eat them every day. Um, I've never thought of pairing wine with that. I, I wouldn't even thought wine would be an option for that. No. No. 
Or go uh, to a lot I was of gonna, places. I, I was going to, I guess it would be white, because, you know, the old rule of chicken and fish, white wine, right. red meats, red wine. Um, um, so some, some classic wine etiquette rules were asked about too. How do you hold the, uh, the glass? Do you hold it by the bowl or by the stem? Uh, generally by the, the bowl. Yeah. For, yeah, me for me. Uh, we got rid of all, I mean, we have some nice ones that we bring out for special occasions, right. but mostly we're just the, those bowl glasses oh, now. Yeah. Stemless. Because they, they don't fall over and smash <laughs> like all the other ones have. When you're tipsy, it's not tipsy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you add any ice to your wine? No. No, you're not supposed to. My dad's so bad for chilling red, and I yell at him all the time about it. Well, but red is supposed to be served at a... You know, like a lower temperature well, than, room, than most places. Room yeah. temperature, but not out of the fridge. Right. You're not supposed to chill red wine. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh-oh, you're wrong. A thousand percent wrong. You chill red wine? I, I, no, but <laughs> it's, not, it's not in the house long enough. <laughs> Are you big wine people? Uh, no, not generally. No. But when we pull it out, it's usually straight from the LCBO and into the mouth. Right, right. But, yeah, but I mean, like, you have wine fridges and racks of them. So but why? that's white for white. Is it only white yes. in the wine fridge? Yes, in the rosés. Yes. All right, we'll have to do some. I'll have to do my research. Yes, look into that. Anybody want to argue that fact with me? You're more than welcome right. to. 855 rock I think generally white is, sold, is served at a colder temperature. No, fridge temperature. Right. Red wine is room temperature. I'm not going to argue hockey I'm not with tr- you. I'm not trying I'm not, to listen, I'm not listen, arguing. Listen, I don't I'm telling you what I... I'm telling you this. All right. I know wine. That's all I know. <laughs> what temperature is the box when you have Just, it? Listen, it's always under the counter, under the sink. I've got the good hooch in the wine rack. It's right. all red. Yes. So when someone shows up, I can act classy. And then I got the boxed wine under the sink. So there you go. Never uh, do you swirl or sniff yes. before drinking wine. Uh, well, I mean, only when I'm trying to impress. Yeah, I'd never. I, I've gone to these like, like uh, when the restaurants bring it around. I have no idea what I'm I'm smelling for. No, I've yeah. asked I've asked waiters. Has anybody turned away a bottle? I have a friend who turned away a bottle. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it's just vinegary. I no, don't know. that can happen. Sure. Yeah, they say sometimes people do. Have you chugged wine or are you just a sipper? I'm generally a sipper. Yeah, you have to be. If you're chugging wine, you've got a problem. <laughs> And some of us even admit that we drank our wine out of a coffee mug. Well, sure, especially if you're working from home. Right. Oh, yeah. Looks great on a Zoom call. Yeah. Here's a little tip, though. I just thought of this. This is great. So say you got your wine in your coffee cup and you're on a Zoom call. Take a little sniff of it. Like, it's see if it's too warm. Yeah, blow on it. Yeah, blow on it. Pretend it's coffee. <laughs> <laughs> just cool it's it down. tea. It's tea. <laughs> Catnip is more effective at repelling mosquitoes than DEET, the main substance used in uh, insect repellent. So just spread some catnip all over you. The uh, mosquitoes will stay away. The cats will attack the hell out of you. Right, yes. Netflix back in uh, the early 2000s must have known they were really on to something. They spent zero dollars on marketing their DVD rental business, yet over six million people used it. Wow. Yeah. Was that, was that the red box thing? Yeah. Is that them? Yeah, it is so funny to see on uh, Netflix that documentary about the squashing of Blockbuster yeah. because they were the ones <laughs> That's right. who squashed it. <laughs> and now making money off the documentary yeah. about it. Yeah. There's an Aboriginal language in Australia where the word for dog is dog. 
It's a pure coincidence. <laughs> really? They didn't know it was called dog in English. That's just the word they randomly chose for themselves. Hey, can we go back to Netflix for a second? Yeah. Because I was thinking about you yesterday. Uh, I was catching up on the uh, the final episode of season three of Ozark because mm. season four is out today. Yeah, so it's Ozark Day. Ozark, it's Ozark Day. Day. Yes. Uh, but as I was catching up, I, I had to go back and uh, find the episode. And to do it, <laughs> I had to see that every episode I've watched mm. has that red line to like the last little bit. And I thought about Pally Craigie because yeah. I know that drives you nuts. Your OCD can't have that red line incomplete. Nope, your, your Netflix history would make my head explode. <laughs> Not really, because we both are really into serial killers. No, for some but reason. I mean, every episode would probably have that oh, red yeah. line. Oh, right. You, yeah. You're not one to go back. I uh, just started rewatching. But I watched till the end of the episode. It's just when it says skip and go to yeah. the next one, I skip and go to the next. You don't? Well, it does. It, it automatically flips over on yeah. its own. But for some reason, in that countdown clock of 20 seconds before the next episode runs, Sometimes the cast credits or whatever's rolling on the old episode hasn't completed when it flips. Okay. And so that needs to complete before that red line goes away. So you, like, go back and watch the end of the cast credits? I'll hit back on the remote, and it'll it'll go, yeah, to the cast credits. And then it'll just do the 20-second countdown again as those cast oh. credits roll out. Oh, yeah. I went back because uh, Afterlife with Ricky Gervais is back for season three. So, again, I had to go back and see part of season two to figure out what the hell went on. And almost every episode had that red line. It took me an hour before I could get just wow. to enjoying a new episode of Afterlife. We started watching... Uh, uh, Ted Lasso. Oh, uh, it's on week. Apple. Yeah, it's on Apple. That. And, and, it, and I've, I've only heard great yeah. things about the show and how brilliant it is. And I'll, I'll say this so far, in a few episodes in, it's not what I expected in terms of, I thought it was just to be flat out funny, kind of Jason Sudeikis, mm. SNL kind of funny. And mm. no, it's, it's, uh, it's almost kind of heartwarming. I really do want to see it. I am a little disturbed that you have started watching uh, Ted Lasso because so many people told you how great it was. And yet, God knows how many shows <laughs> I told you are great that you won't take a second to no watch. No one told me to watch it. One, I got apples sent to me free. And so that's why I was like, all right, well, if I got it for free, I'll watch Ted Lasso. Um, it is Ozark Day again. Did we mention yes, that? It's, it's Ozark Day. Ozark Day. It actually, I think it got posted at midnight last night, so it'll be there and ready to go. Now, is it just the first episode? Or no, first seven. Oh, so there's seven. You get oh, seven. It'll be a dark weekend. You get seven, and then we have to wait till twenty twenty six to get the other seven. <laughs> but supposedly the other seven will drop towards the end of this year, right? Because it's the final. I think all the other seasons are ten. Yeah, they're doing fourteen for this yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Oh. It's so great. I loved sitting through season three again. Uh, the final episode was it was shocking. It shocked yeah. me again. I yeah. forgot about it. You knew, and I had forgotten they were all covered in blood. Right. The whole yeah. thing. Oh, it's so great. China should be split into five time zones, but since 1949, the entire country has been on the same time zone for national unity. That creates some crazy time changes at its borders. The largest is at its border with Afghanistan, where when you cross over. There's immediately a three-and-a-half-hour time difference. <laughs> and in lifestyle, decades. Right, that's right. <laughs> um, people born in 1957, 1968, 1979, 1989, 2000, and 2013 will live an average of 5.2 years less than other people. It's a leap year thing? Uh, it's solar activity in those years, peaks in solar activity. Apparently, the UV radiation from the solar rays affects growth during pregnancy. 
Now, people born in 1954, 1964, 1976, that's you, yes. right? 1986, 1996, that's me. And, <laughs> <laughs> and 2008 should live the longest thanks to being born during periods of low solar activity. Wow. Yes. So I'm, I'm 66, so I, I got nothing. I don't know if I'm living longer or, or shorter. I'm going to update that RSP plan. People have only been using the word wasted to describe someone who's drunk since the late 1960s. Meanwhile, high has been around since 1627. Wow. Yeah. I've been wasted since the late 60s. (laughs) It's possible that Beethoven had an irregular heartbeat, which influenced the innovative and unique rhythms in his compositions. It's possible. Yeah, so they say. It was Nicolas Cage who first advised Johnny Depp to pursue a career in acting during the mid-1980s. So you can thank Nicolas Cage for uh, Johnny Depp. Footloose didn't have a big enough budget to shoot a dance scene for the ending, but test audiences felt so cheated that the studio paid 200 grand to shoot that scene just six weeks before the movie opened. I think the greatest story from that still is the one we just heard recently that Kevin Bacon will pay DJs at weddings not to play Footloose. Footloose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can see it. I bet John Travolta goes through the same thing. Yeah, probably. You well, and, and his reasoning not being that he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to take away from, you know, the bride and groom. Yeah, and that day. Become the, the, the center of attention. Although I'm pretty sure, you know, when you're inviting Kevin Bacon, you know he's going to be the center of attention. It's interesting between him and, say, John Travolta, and I'm sure there's other actors I just can't think of off the top of my head right away who have done dance uh, moments that they're really well known for. But... Kevin Bacon seemed to spend a lot of his career trying to lose that and avoid it and right. move on to other things. And I guess it's because it happened to him so young. Because uh, you see him on talk shows and stuff, and he doesn't get up. You know, I'm sure people want him to. It's like people want Will Smith to do the Fresh Prince. Stuff, right, right, gotcha, yeah. Or, or, or they want, uh, what's his name, to do the uh, the Carlton dance. Yes. Um, well, I, listen, Alfonso Ribeiro will do that anywhere. anywhere. Yes, he do it on a corner. <laughs> But Kevin Bacon shies away from that, even like on talk shows, whereas John Travolta will do it every single time. And I think it's because that happened so far down in his career. Right. Like later, he had, you know, he had been massive in the 70s and then, of course, really sunk in the 80s. And then with Pulp Fiction and all of that, it, it revived his career. Mm. So and he has a different respect, I think, gotcha. for, for that yeah. kind of thing. And you're more likely to get hurt at work on a Monday than any other day of the wow, week. Wow, all right. Yeah, I thought so. You're going to be fine today. Fridays have the fewest injuries. Okay, I guess fewer people there. (laughs) Rock Mornings with With Craig Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.